Now the Three Martini Lunch with Greg Columbus and Jim Garrity. It is that time again, a little Three Martini Lunch, as we like to do here. I'm Chad Benson in... Oh, for that, Mr. Columbus, guys, taking a few days off. Joining us, though, as always, Jim Garrity, National View. And we got you good, we got you bad, we got you crazy. Let's start with the good. Yesterday, Jim, he took it away, if you will, old Roberts. Today, he delivered, as some people would say, the goods when it came to another Supreme Court case that went this time in favor of the conservatives. Yeah. So, uh, you know, kind of a, you know, Justice Roberts, you know, on one day you're going to be fuming about him. The next day you're going to be pleased with him. This is another five to four ruling uh, saying this Montana Supreme Court was wrong to strike down a program uh, that basically allowed uh, indirectly helped private religious schools. Um, basically, the, the U.S. Supreme Court said that the Montana Supreme Court was wrong when it struck down a program in the Montana state law because of a provision in the state constitution that forbids public funds from going to religious institutions. The U.S. court said that the U.S. Constitution's protection of religious freedom prevails. And basically the principle here, because a lot of people saw this as having implications for the separation of church and state, Roberts wrote that a state does not need to subsidize private education, but once a state decides to do so, as in this school choice program, this, this scholarship program they had set up, it cannot disqualify certain private schools solely because they are religious. Uh, as you kind of expect, this is uh, the four, con- four uh, conservative justices on his side. Uh, it's perceived as a big win for Betsy DeVos. You know, yesterday when we were discussing the um, Louisiana abortion law and the Supreme Court's 5-4 decision in that one, all the pro-life organizations were uh, issuing statements, you know, I don't say spitting mad, but deeply disappointed, really frustrated with this. Well, every school choice organization is sending out, re- filling up my, e- my email box with releases, talking about what a terrific uh, decision this is, what a big win it is. I do periodically wonder when you see these kinds of statements, if you are an institution that believes in uh, trying to be in your, your cause and trying to, uh, 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 particularly if you're influenced and trying to get strict constructionist judges on the court, um, whether you tend towards the most dramatic language. It's not really a modest win. It's a huge win. It's got to be something. But nonetheless, every school choice advocate is pretty pleased by this. Uh, it makes it easier to expand school choice and to provide the option of going to religious schools. I suppose it's possible that some states might say, okay, well, if we have to uh, permit people to also use these uh, vouchers or to use these kinds of scholarships for religious schools, well, then we're not going to do this. We're going to get rid of the program entirely. But um, Again, this is a program that's been successful. People like it. It's pretty darn popular. And, uh, you know, this, this, uh, the anti-school choice advocates, the folks, teachers unions who don't like it, are, uh, are crying in their beer tonight. So, you know, if you're, if you're a believer in school choice, if you believe that parents know what's best for their kids and they should be the ones deciding which schools their kids go to, this is a good day. And, you know, the sun is shining a little bit brighter today. And again, it's a huge win, the biggest win. The bet they love to throw those things out there. Yesterday was the most devastating loss in the history of losses. I love over dramatics, but you know this better than anybody. That's how you get people to pay attention to your cause, no matter what it is, Jim. So you have to go out and say the most outrageous things and overdo it, put some mustard on it, just to get somebody to pay attention. Yeah, and you know, for people who are wondering, well, how does this work? Uh, it was passed by the Montana legislature in 2015. Uh, basically, it's a tax credit. And it only goes up to about $150. But if you donate to a scholarship program that allows low-income parents to send their kids to private schools, uh, then you get that tax credit. And it's, you know, you can knock off 150 bucks off your tax bill. 
Um, the program made no distinction as to whether the parents could use scholarships at religious or secular schools. Uh, about 70% of the private schools in the state of Montana are religious. Unsurprisingly, school choice, some you know, uh, folks on the left were like, no, 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 this is turning into government subsidizing religious education. We can't let this happen. And this is how it ended up at the court. Now Montana will have to permit this. And I think that uh, not just religious folks, but people who believe that uh, school choice should be expanded wherever possible will be high-fiving each other today. That was the good. We move from the good to the bad in the three martini lunch because you, you would love to have three goods. But the reality is, is, is we, we give you everything here. So you've got Fauci, you've got Redfield and everybody up there today talking about vaccines and, and, and what's going on and when can we do this? When can we really expect it? Uh, here's the reality. I don't think anybody really knows, but most experts think it's not going to be until the middle of next year before it's widely available. When we started this whole thing, it was let's get the hospitals ready. And then it was let's try to flatten the curve. And then it became, well, we're not going to go outside until there's a vaccine. Even if we got a vaccine, Jim, the, I talked to several doctors yesterday who all said, I'd give it six months before I'd take it. And I don't mm, even know where yeah, we're at anymore. No quite, yeah. You've got your first round of testing. You've got your additional rounds of testing. You're looking for side effects in people. Um, sometimes things that work in the animal stages don't work in the human stages. Uh, there's a really kind of, you know, uh, both a good graphic and I think just a general good report by USA Today that came out this morning that I think is illustrative. I nominated as the bad martini because it's not what we want to hear. Um, you know, I know some folks who are convinced that there's going to be a vaccine by the fall. I don't think that's particularly likely. You have heard Trump and Fauci and other folks saying, no, no, end of this year, maybe uh, beginning of next year. Uh, the, the, uh, there's a Operation Warp Speed is this White House-led partnership, which is basically trying to put um, as much money, basically get everything lined up so that once there is a breakthrough, you can manufacture it as quick as possible and distribute it as much as possible. Because it's not just, you know, when do you have your eureka moment and you find something that uh, manages to stop the coronavirus. It's a question or, or you manage to prevent the infection. Uh, it's also when can you get it to everybody? You know, we've got, you know, 320 some million people in the United States. We have about six to seven. We have seven billion people around the world. You know, even once you're getting it from that to mass produce it uh, is going to be a considerable amount of time. And the conclusion of this USA Today report is that we're probably looking at the middle of next year. That's yeah. not what people want to hear. And, you know, Chad, I've been writing about this, you know, pretty much since almost almost exclusively since mid-March. Um, I know how serious this is. I've been writing about this. I've been telling people to take this seriously. This is not just the flu. This is not just something you can blow off. And a lot of people from that seem to believe that's an endorsement of the lockdowns, which I don't think is that. I thought you could do the lockdowns for a while. I think after a while you end up crippling the economy. This figure of saying, look, we're probably not going to have a, a vaccine till middle of next year. Well, we're at the end of June, right? So we're talking about one more year of this. That's that's pretty darn significant. That's a huge amount of time that you cannot expect people to stay stuck in their homes, uh, not interacting with anybody else, not going to work, not making any money, um, not uh, able to put food on the table, uh, ordering takeout and delivery. You know, you're just going to economically, we shut down our economy as long as I think it was reasonable and feasible. We had to have some degree of opening up. We had to start putting Americans back to work again. Now we're seeing an uptick in cases again. This, you know, now, thankfully, most of these are amongst younger folks. They're probably the majority are going to get through them okay. But, uh, you know, you just don't know how many elderly or immunocompromised could get that in that crowd. 
Um, no, and we need to figure out a scary, way Jim. to live with this virus safely. Yeah, Masks it's scary. Piece of it, social distancing are going to be a piece of it. Probably not gathering in crowds, and this goes for the protests for George Floyd. This goes for the country music contests. This goes for anything where you're bunk- the, the gay pride protest or big gay pride parade that was in Chicago last week. Look, anytime you're getting lots and lots of people together in one place, close together, you're increasing the chances that people are catching it. And a lot of these outbreaks we're seeing in the Sun Belt states looks like a lot of it's being driven by bars and restaurants. We might probably want to stick to takeout and, and delivery for a while. Um, yeah, I was. Yeah, I not told what I wanted this to hear, weekend. but I think the fact when you're saying this is, oh, it's going to be probably another year before we can get the vaccine to everybody. That probably means we're going to have to figure out some way to live with this virus instead of trying to, you know, bunker down forever and, and you know, um, just let our economy sink further and further and, you know, have all the other side effects of people not seeing doctors, kids not getting vaccinations, um, people putting off, you know, non-essential medical treatments, like or I should say non-life-threatening medical treatments. This is a thorny problem, and I think the lockdown crowd is uh, not looking at, you know, lockdown forever crowd uh, or lockdown indefinitely crowd are, are not looking at it as realistically as they need to. Yeah. Well, again, I don't think we've seen the financial tsunami to even start yet, and that's going to come in August when you see people get evicted and you see the the ramifications of the forbearance coming to an end and people not being able to pay it. Then you're going to start to get a different feel for it. But that was the bad. So we've got the good, we've got the bad, and then we've got the third of our martinis, which is the crazy and uh, one pandemic at a time, China. Yeah. So I saw this yesterday, you know, yesterday, and it was reported by the health editor of the BBC News, Michelle Roberts. Headline, flu virus with pandemic potential found in China. Now, before you're saying, oh, no, yeah, the coronavirus. No, no. The coronavirus is not a flu virus. We're talking about influenza. And if you're wondering, this is kind of similar to the swine flu we had a couple of years ago. Now, before everybody starts, you know, um, putting on their full chem bio suits or something like that, um, this virus with the catchy name AH1N1PDM09, which I believe was also the name of a character in Star Wars, um, it's currently covered by the annual flu vaccine that's designed to make sure people are protected. Um, this, by the way, is in China, also has been identified in China. But, you know, I don't know about you, Chad, but the good news is I know if we're dealing with a new and scary virus, the one thing we can count on is the Chinese government will tell us everything we need to know, right? Totally. Absolutely above board. Yeah, you know, Those you know, guys there's anything we've learned recently. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. This virus, they are, you know, it, it is... Uh, they're not saying sound the alarm, panic, this is bad. However, they're saying, okay, this is a new virus and it could grow and multiply in the cells that are in human airways. Um, this is probably comparable to swine flu. You may remember this from a couple of years ago. People didn't, the swine flu did not have the uh, far-reaching consequences of uh, uh, the, the uh, coronavirus that we've seen. That having been said, look, this is another animal-based virus, much like the, the current uh, SARS-CoV-2 came from bats. So long as you have human beings interacting with animals, they're going to catch viruses. Um, there's a reason we worry about Lyme disease from ticks. There's a reason we worry about, uh, um, you know, if you get bitten by a dog, they worry about rabies. You know, when lots of people interact with lots of animals, at some point a virus could jump from an, a- from an animal to a person. And we are really not in any type of uh, more safe position, position against new viruses now than they, we were six mo- months ago, other than maybe that we're more aware of it. Um, 
we, you know, we don't, if, if you subscribe to the lab accident theory, we don't have widespread international standards and inspections for biosafety level four labs. And we still have lots of people interacting with bats, interacting with every other kind of, we still have the wet markets operating. We still have exotic animal trade going on. You could argue this is a ticking time bomb, but it's one of those things I saw this yesterday. I was just like, okay, can we just have one pandemic at a time? Is that really too much to ask 2020? The murder hornets weren't enough? No. Hold our beer moment 2021, it might say. And that's the scary thing, Jim. That's absolutely the scary thing. So I'm just, it's, China, I know you're going to be straightforward with us because we're, we're getting that. You guys are nothing but above board. Uh, we can't talk about anything. You guys are totally honest. He's Jim Garrity. I'm Chad Benson. I'm Greg Columbus. This is the Three Martini Lunch. We're going to do it again tomorrow. Of course, follow him uh, at Jim Garrity. And you can follow me at Chad Benson Show. As always, sir, it's great to have those martinis, the good, the bad, and the crazy. And we'll look forward to doing it again tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Chad.